Good evening, hope all of you are doing well. Tonight we're learning Maseches Yom Adaf, Yud Zayin, um, and Yud Ches. Uh, we are two lines down on Yud Zayin of Aleph, and we're coming off of the heels of a machlokas between the Mishnah in Maseches Tamid and the Mishnah in Maseches um, Midos. Uh, quite similar Mishnayos, but one of them indicates the location of the room of the Tlaim, of the... Uh, of where the animals were kept is in the northwest quadrant, and some say the southwest quadrant. We saw one answer yesterday. That is one shita is uh, Stam Mishnayis, and the other one is a shita of Lazar ben Yaakov, so it's not really a stira. And today we have a, an architectural response from the Gemara that says in the top of Yudzayin of an Aleph, how do we deal with the discrepancy between the Mishnah and Tamid and the Mishnah and Midos, indicating that the room for the Tzlaim, where the animals were stored, were in different locations, says the Gemara, two lines down, Yudzayin, Maraleth, Ravada, Bered, Rav Yitzchak, Omar, Hai Lishka Aktsuye Mekatsya, the Lishka, this room, actually extends the length of the western wall there. So it's in the northwest and the southwest. It's a very long room. It doesn't quite hit each wall, but it is particularly a long room. Udeasi Mitzafan, if you were to walk from the north, Mishazi Labadarim, it looks like the, it was in really on the southern side of the wall. And if you were to approach the uh, the, the room of the Lishkas Tlaim from the south, you would have thought that it was connected to the far northern wall. So that's what the Gemara says, is you are confused as to whether or not the uh, the Lishkas the Lishka Tlaim was in the northwest or the southwest. You're both right. And that's a different approach altogether. In the previous answer that we learned yesterday, we said it's just a machlokets in the Tanaim. Here we're saying there is no machlokets. It's all in the same location. And says the Gemara, have, uh, five lines, four lines from the bottom of the page, it's Zion Aleph. Mistabra, where was it actually anchored to? What wall was it actually anchored to? Says the Gemara, Mistabra, and we have that we assume that it was on the southwestern wall. Southwestern is on the inside of the Mikdash, and the northwestern was on the outside of the Mikdash. So the southwestern wall was inside. Mimai. How do we know, asks the Gemara, how do we know that this is the case? That in fact, the, um, <clears throat> the Lishkas Tlaim was on the southwestern wall. So says the Gemara as follows. Yesterday, when we learned the Mishnah in Tamid, and when we learned the Mishnah in Midos, uh, we may have overlooked something. I certainly did. And that is that there's actually a contradiction in regards to going around that, the quadrants, one, two, three, four. So if you were to look back on Tezvavah Midbez in the Mishnah, the first uh, shita seems to say that there's Lishkas Tzloim. After that is a Lishkas Chosamos. After that is Beis HaMokad. And after that is Lechem Aponim. That's in Tamid. But in the Mishnah in Tamid, in Midos, it's different. In the Mishnah in, in Midos, it says that the Lechem Apanim was not in that location. It was in a different location. So now if we look back at our Gemara, it says the Gemara, three lines from the bottom, Imai, how do we know that really the Lishkas Tlaim spanned the length of the wall, but was really rooted in the southwest corner? So it says the Gemara, Midiraminan Lechem Apanim, Lechem Apanim, because we saw the Mishnah in Midos and the Mishnah in Tamid, seemed to have had different locations for which room was the Lechem Apanim room. Umeshanina, the response that we should have given to that is Amar of Hunabrid Rav Yoshua, Marka Chashiv Derech Yemin, Umarka Chashiv Derech Small. Well, it, yeah, it's the third room after you're in room number one. And if you're walking out to the right, which we know in the Mikdash, there was a customary, it was halacha, that you're supposed to do the avoda to the right. So if you're standing in the southwest quadrant and you take a right turn, so one, two, three, the last room will be Lechem Apanim. But if you go to the left, it would be one room away. So it's really not a steer in the Mishnayis. It's just that when the, the location of the Lechem Apanim is in the same place, according to everyone, it just it depends how you're walking around. If you walk right or left, how are you allowed to walk left? That's what the Gemara says here. It says, Marka, it says, Marka Chashiv Derachimin. One says you're leaving the Lishkas Slime to the right. And the other says you're leaving the Lishkas Slime to the left. And really the location of the Lechem Apanim are the same. And as we turn to the top of Yudayin and the Gemara 
gives its uh, its knockout punch to prove to us that really the Lishkas Tlaim is in the southwest. If you actually agree to the text that we saw earlier, that it's Ma'arav uh, Yisromis, that the Lishkas Tlaim is in the southwest corner, then we could understand the answer of you went to the right or you went to the left, but really it's in the same location. But if you say that the lechem upon, if you say that the lishkas is in a different corner, if you say that the lishkas is in the northwest corner, then our answer doesn't work anymore because then the lechem upon room is not in the same location. So if Sof says the Gemara, my tiruts of the lechem upon then your answer falls away. And therefore, says the Gemara, four lines down, we therefore conclude that the Lishkas Tlaim was, yes, according to this approach, a longer room. And when you came from the north, it looked like it was rooted in the southwest. And when you came from the south, it looked like the Lishkas Tlaim was rooted in the northwest, but really it was rooted in the southwest. How do we know? Because of this uh, sophisticated answer that the Gemara gives by Lechem Apanim, the only way that we can answer the question of Lechem Apanim is under the assumption that the Lishkas Tlaim was rooted in the southwest corner, otherwise it wouldn't make any sense. And then says the Gemara, that's correct. The room location is the same. So if you have a if you have four quadrants, so then let's say we're no, here. They're not moving. Cohen's moving. The rooms are the same. So if you have down here, let's say this is the southwest the southwest room, and the avoda the lechem apanim is here. So according to the Mishnah and Tami, it's very far away. But according to the other Mishnah, it's just one little jump. So one went to the right, that's why it was last in his list, and one went to the left. But then the Gemara asks the practical question, which is you're not allowed to turn left in the Mikdash. Halachic issues. It says the Gemara, six lines down, that's not right. You always have to turn right, preferably to the east as well, whatever, it's always to the right. But when you're starting in a particular spot, we try to make right turns. So it says the Gemara, that's during an actual avoda. All they're doing in these Mishnahites are giving you locations. This is uh, just architecture layout and geography. This is this is not the avod itself. It's just describing where the room was. And therefore, here, because we're just trying to tell you what the basic location is of them. Therefore, we're not concerned about it. That brings us to the two dots, a third of the way down. On Yudzayin, Amud, Bey. Says the Gemara, we learned in our Mishnah the other day, that the Kohen Gadol always has first dibs, both on food and on korbanos. What does it mean that he's allowed to be makrev first dip? Says the Gemara. Omer, Ola Zani makrev, Mincha Zoni makrev. I'm allowed to shecht whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't have to wait in line. I'm in charge. It's my house. Move over, skip to the front of the line. You go to the theme parks and they give you the fast pass. You never have to wait. You're always allowed to be front of the line if you're the coin goddamn. What about Ketzad Notochelik Barosh? What does it mean that you're allowed to take whatever you want? We already spoke about korbanos. You can go to the front of the line. So it says the Gemara in regards to taking food. Omer chatas zo ani ochel. I can take from that chatas that you're that you're uh, currently bringing. Asham ze ani ochel. I can eat whatever I want. And on Shavuos, chalos. I can take one of the two chalos that are brought on Shavuos, the, the lechem that's brought on Shavuos, the two chalos. And from the lechem apanim, which of which there are twelve, arba ochamesh, the kohen gadol can take four or five of them. Imaisa lechem apanim. From all of the 12 that are made, he could take whatever he wants. He's got a lot of latitude. So it says the Gemara, he can take four or five of the 12. Hold on one second. Rebbe Omer Machlokes in the Mishnah. She can only take five. There's no such thing as four, according to Rebbe. We'll see that this is a difficult sheet in the Gemara at the top of the Amud. How do I know that it's supposed to only be Chamesh? Says the Gemara. Five for Aharon and five for the Banav, half only. Now we're going to deal with the fact that there are 12 and not 10 of the Lechem upon him. So when you say half of six, half of 12 is five, then your math is not good. We'll see shortly how this works out. 
But says the Gemara, Hagufa Kasha, this poses a difficulty. What we've just learned is not so simple. Amris, first you said, no chala achas chalos. First you said that on Shavuos, you're allowed to take one of the two. One out of two, of course, is half. Money, who is that shita like? Says the Gemara, Rebbe, he to Amar Palga Shakil. There's two, you took one. That's the sheet of Rebbe. Rebbe just brought a Pasuk to indicate that you always take half. Ema Mitziasa, then a second later, you said the Shita that Arbo Chamesh Mimaisa Lechem Aponim, that you can take either four or five, which is not half, and that's not Rebbe, Asan Le Rabbanon. That's like the Shita of the rabbis who disagree with Rebbe. Do Amre, they say, Lo Shakil Palga, the Kohen Gadol cannot take half, he can take four or he can take five, but Lab Dafka, that he has to take half. And then the final Marimakum that doesn't make sense, they Seifa, Rabbi Omer Lolam Chamesh. No, you can only take take half. So you've got a lot of different shitas going on here. It seems to be Reisha Seifa Rabbi. Reisha, the first case where the two chalas by the lechem for Shavuos, he says you can take one. The Seifa is a case where uh, you are going to take exactly half. And the case in the middle is where it, is where it seems to say you take four or five. So that's what the Gemara asks. Reisha Seifa Rabbi Mitzias and Rabbanon. Everything is in one little tight mission over here. You're going to tell me that there's two authors. The first and last case belong to Rebbe, and the middle case is the Rabbanon. So says the Gemara, well, not really. Amar Abaye, answer number one. Amar Abaye, Reisho Mitziasa Rabbanon. Really, the first and second cases are the Rabbanon. The case of the uh, the two chalas for Shavuos that the Kohen Gadol takes one, and the four and five uh, is also, that's the case of Mitziasa. So those are also Rabbanon. I, how does it work out? One is half. If you're not supposed to give half, according to the Rabbanon, so cut the chala, of the Shavuos, cut them in half. So you're not giving them a whole one. Give them three quarters of one. So it says the Gemara, no. It's not nice to cut one of the loaves into pieces and give the coin Gadol a, a one, a, you know, a, what three quarters of one of the Chalas. No, just give him a whole Chalas. Not because he needs to get half, but because cutting the Chalas for the coin Gadol is not Mechubah. So when it comes to Shavuos, when it comes to Shavuos, he always, uh, he always gets one out of the two pieces of bread. Uh, because it's not nice to give less than one whole prusa, and that, uh, that's why the Gemara concludes the way that it does. It says the Gemara, fine, but what's the case? Top of top line, first words. What is the case where we have, that was the fastest plot we've done in a long time, 10 minutes. All right, this next one's not going to be 10 minutes. But my arba uchamish, what is the, uh, the opinion in the Mishnah that says that the coin gets either four or five of the of the of the showbreads of the lechem upanim. So the top line says as follows: the rabbanan Amre, There's a separate machloka says to the uh, some of the rewards of being a kohen. When a mishmar would leave, they would they would have access to some of the lechem upanim. When a mishmar would join, when a group of kohanim would join, they would also have access to lechem upanim. So the rabbanan, according to the rabbanan, the amrei nichnas notel sheish v'yotzei notel sheish of the twelve. So technically speaking, each group, the one that is nichnas, the new. Uh, base of the new group of Kohanim coming in could take six of the showbreads, the Yose Notel Shesh, and the one leaving can take six. And the Schar Hagofas Lassos Lo Shakil, we add the word Shakil in with the Os Katan Aleph that goes to the Hagof Sabach. And there's no payout for being the one who closes the doors, namely the new base of that would come in, the new Mishmar that would come in would have the task of closing the doors. Now it's not like our doors that close, these were big, big, big doors and they didn't have self closing hinges. It was an Avodah, but says the Gemara within the sheets of the Rabbanon, they didn't get anything extra. So meaning the ones who are going out and the ones going in get the same pay, six of the Lechem Aponim. Now, the Kohen Gadol is allowed to take whatever he wants. We said he could take four or five, and he can take up to half, but the Rabbanon say not half. So So if you have half of 12 is six, to take one away so that you're not actually taking half, a miflag chamesh v'shakil, then the Kohen Gadol is allowed to, to sweep in and take five. The remaining seven are split, three and a half, three and a half, 
four or three and three, however we decide. By the coin Gadol, we're not allowed to cut them. Maybe we can cut it in half. Maybe we're allowed to cut them by the regular Kohanim. Whatever the case may be, here we see the coin Gadol can take five. Rabbi Yehuda, Da'amar Nichnas, but within, the, within this discussion about the payout of Lechem Hapanim, two Kohanim that are switching shifts, we see there's a Machlokas. The sheet of the Rabbanan we saw, six and six, and the Kohen Gadol can swoop in and take up to five. However, the Rabbi Yehuda, Da'amar Nichnas, Notel Sheva, the one coming in, does get paid a little extra for closing the doors. Stein Bishar so he gets more than the average because it's hard to close the doors. But Yotze Notel Chamesh, so there's 12. Seven go to the incoming, they had to close the doors. Five, the remaining five are technically allowed to go to uh, those who were Yotze, the Mishmar of Kalanim that would leave. And Maitzer, Me'eser, excuse me, Me'eser, boy, Me'flag. Now here it's a little different because the because two of them are going to the other group. So instead of taking a pool of 12 and the Kohen can take less than half, now the, the only pool that's available is up to 10. Two of them were Schar for the Kohanim who were Nifnas, who closed the doors. So Me'eser, fifth, sixth line, Yudchas Me'ralev, Me'eser, boy, Me'flag, Batser Chada, from uh, half of 10 is five minus one, Me'flagav uh, is Shakil Arba, and that's four. So now we've seen, based on the Machlokes, of what happens when the when the mishmarim shift and how we pay out the kohanim with lechem upon him, based on that we could understand the four and we could understand the five. Okay, so that's a very uh, it's hooked into this uh, new machlokas. Again, we've done it on the surface. It's a deeper, more complex machlokas, but that's on the surface how we understand it. It says the Gemara. All of that was according to the shita of Abaye. But remember, the question that we asked was that. Uh, hey, wait one second. All of these sources seem to be mishkababbled. The initial question is three lines from the bottom on Yudzayim Baralat that said, Reisha Vesefa Rebbeum Tsiyasan Rabbanan. How does Rava answer that question? So Rava answers that question six, seven lines on Yudchasim Baralat as follows. Rava Amar Kula Rebbehi. Really, everything is like Rebbe that it should be half, but the several like Rebbe Huda, he happens to hold like Rebbe Huda that there's a payout of an extra two to the uh, to the Mishmar that's coming in. So a half of 10 is five minus one is four. That's how you get to four. So it says the Gemara, Belamai Arba, you got to the four, but Hachamesh by the Mishkal. But Rebbe in the Brisa specifically said the number five. How does he get to five if you hold like Rebbe Huda? It depends. When Shabbos bleeds into Yantiv, the Mishmar that's outgoing does not leave. They stay there until after Yantiv. Under those circumstances, the, the rules change. So at the first of the long lines, Lokasha, this is not a contradiction. Um, it depends if there's an extra group of, group of Kohanim that stick around for the rest of Yantiv. And the Gemara explains how this uh, how this distinction works out according to Rebbe. If, in fact, there, there's an extra Mishmar there, so the Kohen will end up taking four from the whole bunch, from the whole bunch of 12. If there isn't a group of Kohanim staying, namely if it's a regular Shabbos that doesn't bleed into Yantif and they're going to finish their shift on Shabbos, then even according to Rebbe, we could come up with a scenario by which you can either, with the Kohen Gadol, can either take four or five of the Chalos. My Rebbe Omer Le'olam Chamesh. Okay, that's very creative that you managed to create a scenario where Rebbe Taka holds a four and five, but you violated the Mishnah because the Mishnah on the bottom of uh, on the Mishnah on the bottom of Yudzayin and Mabez, two thirds of the way down, quoted a pasuk. We said six lines from the bottom of Yudzayin and Mabez, Rebbe Hida Omer Pai, and then we quoted a pasuk. And the pasuk says, That's half in this case. So how in the world could you still say four according to the sheet of Rebbe? Says the Gemara Kashya. That is a great question. That is a great question. And therefore, 
again, I'm not, no psaac here, but it seems to be that the answer, the approach that Rava took did not work very well, while the approach that Abaye took did work very well. And that brings us to a new Mishnah that is less complicated than the last blot of Gemara that we learned. When the Kohen Gadol was preparing for uh, Yom Kippur for the seven days prior, and remember how we started our Masechta, that we separate the coin for seven days. During those seven days, he was given Zikanim. He was given two people to learn with him, Izikne Bezdin, two big Tamirichacham. They'd read Psukim, they'd teach him Halacha to make sure that he was uh, you know, up to par, that he really knew what was going on. He was totally prepared. If you've ever read the Avoda during Musaf on, um, on Yom Kippur, then you'll know how nuanced it was. It was unbelievably uh, detailed. It's so much color, so much detail. We, we usually are the resting point for many of us during uh, Chazar Sashat. But uh, so this says the Gemara, the Omrim Lo, and they say to the Kohen, Ishi Kohen Gadol, Kra'ataba Shema Shachachto, Shema Lolamadza, read it yourself, because it might be that you forgot it and it might be that you never learned it. So, first of all, pedagogy 101. If you want to learn something, read it yourself. It's much, much better to read it yourself. That's why there are those who say that when you're learning for, for learning purposes, forget about halachic purposes, you've been guilty, Talmud Torah, B'Shmiya, B'Kriya, forget about all of that. Just to remember things, you're better off reading it a little bit as you go along. So that's what they said to him. Second line of the Mishnah, quarter of the way down, maybe you forgot the halacha of Yom Kippur and maybe you never learned it in the first place. Maybe you never learned it in the first place. He's coming in out of left field. That's the Gemara's answer. That's the Gemara's answer. We'll get there shortly. But they, they, the mission is crazy. It's an unbelievable thing to assume that there's a coin God who's not holding. That's unbelievable. Erev Yom Kippurim on uh, the second second part of the Mishnah, three lines into the Mishnah. Erev Yom Kippurim. They take the animals and they walk them in front of him, jogging his memory of all the halachos. Ah, remember that animal? What do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do we do with that? So that he's going to be totally just really just immersed in the halachos of and in the details of the Avod That's section two of the Mishnah. Section three of the Mishnah, three lines before the Gemara starts. He could eat whatever he wanted. He could drink whatever he wanted throughout all seven days. However, once it got close to dark, they would not let him eat a lot. Because the more you eat, the more tired you get. Uh, they weren't nervous about him falling asleep. There wasn't an Isra of Hesach Hadas, not wearing tefillin or anything like that. But the concern was that if he would go to sleep, he might see Zerah. He might have a Mikro Laila. And if he has a Mikro Laila, if he sees Zerah, then he becomes Tame. And he can't do the Avoda the next day. That's a big problem. So they didn't want him to sleep that night when Yom Kippur began. They wanted him up all night. They didn't want to risk it. And the Gemara is going to speak about this in full color. But before we get there, right at the open of the Gemara, one third of the way down in Chesmanat, the Gemara says, Okay, sometimes people forget things. I got it. But however, you got the wrong guy for a very, very important job. We're looking for Kapara. You got, you got someone who's not holding in the halachos of how to do critical things. You're not talking about a, a, a menial task. You're talking about kapara for klal It's a big deal. Answers the Gemara like both Michael and David have foreshadowed. Oh, let's finish the question first. Sorry. We have a b'risa that says, We said the Kohen Gadol was greater than his brothers, greater than the other Kohanim. And how does this b'risa explain the greatness, the difference between the Kohen Gadol and Kohen Hedyot? Says the Gemara, He has to be stronger. He has to be better looking. No, but Bechachma has to be wiser, which is the one that we're focusing on now. Uva Osher has to have money. in the Mishnah. The second sheet in the Mishnah says no. What it means when it says Gadol Me'echav is Minayin Sheb 
How do we know that if he doesn't have a lot of money, that his brothers will support him to make sure that he has more money? Right? You can induce the Kohen Gadol status, give him a little bit more money. Answer the Gemara, Tamal Omar, you should, you should give him more money. Nevertheless, what we see is that this is crazy. He's got to be Gadol B'chachma. He's got to be greater than his brothers B'chachma. There's got to be someone who knows the halacha. So it doesn't make any sense that he should have been chosen. So the Gemara answers halfway down. We know, we learned in this uh, a couple of blot ago, that uh, in the second base of Mikdash, there were over 300 Kohanim Gedolim. They were dropping like flies. And what was going on there? We said that there was, uh, it, was, it was very bad. People were spending money. And that's what the Gemara brings right here. They were spending money to become the Kohen Gadol. The Gemara Rabasi, Tirkava de Dinari, there was a weight in gold that was brought, Ailale, Marta Basbaitus, Marta Basbaitus brought a bribe and, and brought it, she brought it, Liyanai Malka, Ad de Ukme Liyoshua ben Gamla, Bekani Rabbe, until they made him the Kohen Gadol. So she was bribing people so that Yoshua ben Gamla could become the Kohen Gadol. So who says he's the biggest Tamar Chacham? He, he paid in. He just paid, the, it was the money went to the highest bidder. So he became the Kohen Gadol. So that's, that's by the second base of Mikdash, by the first base of Mikdash, this never happened. By the first base of Mikdash, every Kohen Gadol who was there was a Tamar Chacham Nifla. But by the second Beit HaMikdash, there were scenarios where people did not know what they were talking about. Two dots, halfway down. So the Gemara says that not only did they bring certain animals by him, but they would even bring a seer. Why didn't our Mishnah in, include in the list of animals that they would parade before the Kohen Gadol? Why didn't they include seirim? So the Gemara answers, because a seir is going to be brought on a chet, al shadaiteh. We were afraid that the Kohen would just be like broken about it and he would not do a good job in his avodah. We know that a chatas is brought from a par. Well, a chatas is brought, so my nafkamina between that and the seir, why do you, then you shouldn't bring a par either? Answers the Gemara, par. When it comes to a cow, because the par is representative of him and his brothers who are kohanim, if there was a particular person, the Ispe Milsa, who had done something wrong, made the yadale, he, the Kohen Gadol would have known that one of the Kohanim had done something wrong, and he can go over to him and say, you need to do chupa. It was practical, it was right in front of him. The people who he was getting, getting kapara for were in the room. So you can go over and say, listen, Sadik, I know you're struggling, but you gotta, you gotta get yourself into shape. We've got the avoda to do for Yom Kippur. However, Bekulhu Yisrael lo yada, but he would never be able to do that for all of Klai Yisrael, so that's why the is included in the seer, was excluded by our Mishnah. This is as people say, if the son of your sister is an officer, if they are a police, uh, police officer, don't, uh, don't walk past them. They're going to be sticklers for the rules and they know you better than they know everybody else. Okay, two dots, two thirds of the way down, says the Gemara. He was allowed to eat for as much as he wanted throughout the seven days prior to the Avodan Yom Kippur. Says the Gemara, Tanya Rabbi Yehuda ben Nukusa Omer Machilin Oso Silto Subesim Kedele Masmaso. They would give him certain kinds of flour. Solace is a very fine flour. Based him eggs Kedele Masmaso in order to loosen up his stomach so that he wouldn't have to go to the bathroom as much uh, on Yom Kippur. Amrulo Kol Shekain Shatam Avilu Dechimum. Says the Gemara, that's the food that you're going to feed him. All the more so, this can lead to a particular. Uh, experience of arousal, which can lead to uh, which can lead to zera, and then you're causing more of a problem. And now the Gemara is going to get into some foods that you should not be feeding someone when you're trying to avoid chimum, when you're trying to avoid arousal. Tanya sumchus amar mishum reb meir ein ma'achilin asolo abi ve'amri lalo abavi v'yesh omrim af lo yain lavan. Of course, these are 
uh, acronyms. What do Abi and Ababi mean? Says the Gemara, Lo Abi, Aleph, Beit, Ziyud, Lo Esrog, Lo Beit, Sim, Lo Yain, Yoshan. That's Aleph, Beit, Yud, Esrog, Beit, Sim, Yain, Yoshan. The Amri La Lo Ababi, what does Aleph, Beit, Beit, Ziyud stand for? Lo Esrog, Lo Beit, Sim, Lo Basar, Shamein, Lo Yain, Yoshan. So again, not an Esrog and not eggs and not, not fatty meats and not wine. That alone could bring a person to Tuma. Why doesn't it say the same language as it said before? That uh, Okay, good question. But nevertheless, it's referring to the same thing, which is Sheikh uh, Azera. The rabbi thought a Zav told him if a person became a Zav, we usually assume that it's because of their overeating, the Cholmine Machal, and because of what they ate volume, it's quality, quantity, and quality. If you ate too much, that could be a problem. And if you ate certain foods like we saw, Baba, Abavi and uh, Abi and Abavi, and certain wines, they can cause for this problem. Five lines from the bottom, Yechas Manaf, the Gemara continues, Elizabeth ben Pinchas, Omer Mishur, Mabuz ben Besera, Ein Machilin Oso, Locha Gabi, Belov Gabam. So when it comes to this uh, Zav, he shouldn't eat any of these foods by, based on these acronyms. What are these acronyms? The Gemara then details what they are. What's the Ches Gimel Beis Yod? Lo Chelev, Lo Chalav, excuse me. Lo Gvina, Lo Beitza, Lo Yain. That's our Chagavi. It's Palav, Gvina, Beitza, and Yain. Lo Gabam, what does that stand for? Make recent Shalpul, the liquids from beans. Ubasar Shamein, that's the Beis, Gabam. And the Mem is Bimarias, that's fats from, from fish. Uh, that doesn't sound very appealing, but these were some of the things that they were concerned about. There were maybe the detuma, there were maybe the dechimum that could have been a cause for for a zav discharge. So we would try to avoid those as well. And then you added the line below. You couldn't feed him. When you said that general line of you can't give him anything that may create tuma, what does that come to include? Answer the Gemara. To include another brisa. What does the brisa say? There are five things that lead a person to become tamei. Here's what they are: shum, garlic, turning to the top of your chesh that press the halag logos, which is a type of herb. The habetim eggs, the hagar gear, which is referred to in English as rocket. No idea what that is, but if you look on the side here, it says um, aruga in Rashi on the top line. It calls it aruga, and if you look at the notes here at the bottom, it says rocket. It's a uh, flower that has white or gold. Um, they have very long and strange types of leaves. So some type of food that had a mustardy type of flavor and it looked kind of colorful and uh, its leaves were long and strange. Okay, let's learn a little bit more about this gargir. When the Pasuk says that he went out to collect Oros, it was talking about Gargir, it was talking about Raka, this mustard flavor type of thing. Why was it called Oros? Answers the It would make your eyes uh, shine bright. Maybe make your eyes healthier or literally shine bright. Fine. Four lines down, Amar Apuna, Gargir, Hamotzi, or Hamotze. Gargir, one who's able to, to uh, ingest gargir, great. You can eat it, great. And if not, at least you should wash it over your eyes. Just run it over your eyes. Apparently, it was very good for the eyes. Amara Papa, that wasn't always true. It was only true by the word, from the word metzar, from the word border. It was only true if it was grown on the border of a field. So Rashi here explains that the reason why we're only talking about the border is because um, it, it wasn't depleted from other plants drawing from the nutrients in the dirt. So if it's on the border, it's not surrounded on all sides by other flowers. You're in the middle of the field, you're surrounded on all sides, so it's not going to have as many nutrients. That was at least the assumption of the Gemara. 
We're right now at uh, six lines down or so, seven lines down. A person's a guest in someone's house, they should not be eating eggs. And you should not sleep. This is talking about undressed and the using a blanket of the balabais because it's possible that they may see Zerah if a person has a mikra lila and it's a busha. Rav, when Rav would travel, ki mikla the darshish, machriz, man havaya liyoma. When Rav would travel, he would say, who is going to be interested in being my wife for the day? Same thing. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? A wife in these cities, that, that something's wrong with that. The Tanya, the Bryce writes, one third of the way down, You should not have wives in different locations because Because let's say that in city one, you have a wife and you have a child. City two, you have a wife and you have a child but they don't know each other. Who says they aren't going to get married? And then, and then they're going to have children together, but that's totally not allowed. And that can lead to mamzeros. That's not allowed. Says the Gemara, answer number one, Amre, they said, when a, when, a, when a person's father is a chashiv rav, everybody knows about it. So well, you'll never make such a mistake. The Amar Rava, but another problem was, so let's say that a person you ask someone to marry you and she agrees it generates such a strong emotion that we're afraid that she actually had some dam leave the cervix it's called dam chimud um, the, in, the, in the Gemara there's sugas about this if a woman sees dam chimud every time she has tashmashamita three times she has to get divorced because we assume that the trigger based on the halachos of chazaka if the tashmashamita led to bleeding three times there's a chazaka that she'll bleed again which means that there's tashmashamita with anita big problem so if God forbid someone were to have these, today we have a lot more control with medications to control bleeding, et cetera. But back in the day, it was a, it was the end of a chuppah. It was the end of a, of a marriage. If they had tashmish three times followed by blood immediately, it was a big problem. Anyways, the Gemara says that there was a bigger problem. Rabba says when Rav would go to town, this would happen. If he proposed on the spot, he'd have to wait a week to, to marry her because that whole week she, she has to wait Shevan Akim. Because of Dan Chimut, we're afraid we're concerned that that her body would have expelled a little bit of blood, and we may not have seen it. Maybe we didn't see it come out of the body, but we assumed that she would then be Anita. So that says the Rabbanan, that says the Gemara, no, Rabbanan odu'e havu mode'u luhu mekadem havu mekadme'u They would tell the city in, in 10 days, Rav is coming to town, and the other Rav who was traveling there, same exact idea, Rav Nachman is coming to town, and then they would do all the all the research then, and the what the, the, the woman would agree to become a wife, and then great, everyone was happy, and then she would then she would wait her Shevin Akim and all as well. Or you can say, they did get married, but they didn't have Tash Meshamita during that week. Here the Gemara lays down a critical psychology, one that is used uh, frequently in the world of Hilchos Nida, that the fact that he's married and the fact that he knows that within a week's time that he could be intimate, this is called Pas Pesalo. And the Pas Pesalo literally it translates as bread in the basket. It's of course a, a metaphor, just to explain that when one knows that they have food, they're not, then they don't starve as much. When one knows that they have access, that one has an opportunity for Tash B'Shamita in a week's time, so they're, they're more calm about things. And that's what the Gemara says, She'eno dome, you can't compare a person who uh, knows that he has a wife, even if she's Anita. Uh, versus one who doesn't have access at all. And that's what the Gemara says here. And they never had Tash Meshamita. Just they got married and they were able to live in the same house in theory, uh, conceptually. Uh, raises a little bit of a shaila, which is that uh, until a couple, when a couple gets married, if it's a Chupas Nida, for example, 
you're not allowed to live in the same house. There's, there is an Isra Yichud. So this Gemara is a little bit complicated, but uh, for another time, we're going to stop right here at this Mishnah tomorrow night at 8.40 at the Lagba Omer celebration at Mark's house. We're going to learn Daf Yud Testament Aleph, and then we will be uh, caught up through Thursday night. And then on Shabbos, we'll learn your Testament Bays and Daf Kaf. Wishing you all a beautiful night. We'll be learning at the uh, bonfire. Bonfire, 8.40. In the house? I'm not sure yet. We'll have to see. It can't be outside. It'll be too low and noisy. Yeah, we'll see. Whatever the best place is, we'll do. Have a good night, everybody. Okay.